Hey there, good people of the interwebs. Mick and I have returned for episode 46. But first, I have to apologize. Last week's episode was a no-show and I, well, I feel guilt and shame. Perhaps the universe is trying to tell me something. I think maybe I need to spend some dollars and buy new hardware. But long story short, we've recovered and it's full steam ahead. Visit a Crimson Nib near you where quality is not an option. Rot with indecision. What direction will the Grey Company choose? To the west. Oraki's vision of the restless prophet. Brillstone in the ruins of Mardis Vulagai. Knowledge in the plateaus of the Windlords. And secrets in the buried library of the ancient capital, Tess Ludia. To the south, a map of a hidden temple in Lignus. The jungles of Kush and home to Akmenis. Kalen's hint of another world tree. The southern fringe, perhaps new home for the Kajani, perhaps an answer to Elbrum's leaf. And maybe a new source of wealth for the pallid court. To the east, Warlord Rykar's guerrilla warfare with the Tuscali. A phalanx of griffins flew in this direction. The Pool of Blood, possible source to Kalidus's vision of the Tuscali. And the vampire spy, Ahit Namur, visiting who? Now, let me take off the GM hat, and let's have a conversation about Atwa's Adlib and D Twitch stream. I play an albino human from the northern tribes named Wobani. Mick plays Dimble, a forest gnome that can't hold on to an accent. Do you want to know more? Then sit back, stay tuned, and enjoy. Hello there, and welcome to a Dungeons & Dragons role-playing podcast. My name is Stacy, and I'm the GM. Come with me and my good friend Mick. Join us in our weekly discussion about our campaign. Listen to our successes and failures while trying to flex our role-playing muscle. The funny bits, the dumb bits, and the all-around good time that comes with this great activity. The cast is... The elf-marked wizard that likes to be out front... Calidus Magnus Lunior, the World Tree Seeking Human Paladin, Kaelin Vendis, the Tiefling Paladin, steeped in lore, Akmenis, the Asmar Warlock with a strange wrist leaf, Elbrum, and finally, a female Knoll cleric that has visions of the Restless Prophet, Oraki. The campaign setting is the Southlands from Cobalt Press. We are using the D&D 5e rule set and we game using the Fantasy Grounds Virtual Tabletop. So that's the cast. That's the campaign. Now, good people, welcome to the show. They were going to something that we knew of out in the East. And the things that we know of out in the East are... I don't know. What do you know? Oh, I can't East? remember. I have to look at my notes. <laughs> but out in the East, there was a heat. Was a heat out in the East? Okay, Was yeah, so, the... well, and again, you know that Ahit is supposed to be the undercover person for the Pallid Court, so her whereabouts wouldn't be common knowledge things Although at there all. Although there were two rumors. Yes, you know that Ahit was either she, was... she went north to the capital Nuria Natal, or yeah. she went 
through Barry and you learned that she she'd actually gone to visit someone. And he told us whether that was east or west. That was east, yeah. That was east. Yeah. So Calidus has leapt to the conclusion that a heat's gone to the east and so has this army. And because she's with the pallid court and high up, yes, there's a connection there. So once again, it. once again, Pallidus draws massive conclusions that aren't that can't be substantiated. Yeah, I mean, what else do you know that's out in the east? Well, the Sarkland There's Desert's out there. The desert, yeah. You know that the large majority of the refugees have been coming from that direction. They've been coming from many directions, but also when you were out in the Pool of Blood area and you had the conversation with the Jinborn Fatma, she'd made some comments about the east and the Sarkland Desert, because yeah. that is the east is the Sarkland Desert. You know that warlord Rykar is out there. Fighting off the Tuscala. The gorilla. Yep. Doing his gorilla movements. Yeah. And maybe he's found a major encampment. And you know, um, Calidus could go on and come to all sorts of conclusions yeah, about Yeah, of course. This. Realistically, there's not a damn thing you guys are going to figure stuff out unless you start you go. having the conversations with the right people. Mm-hmm. Or you do something else. It depends. But yes, you guys were trying to decide. So you're sitting there, you've seen these things, and you guys are trying to decide what your next movement was. And so you guys decided, well, we're going to go to the Jubilant Narghile to check our messages. Yeah, okay, score Jubilant. Yeah, it was yeah, closed. It's closed. It's, yeah. you know, it's past business hours. And then we finally get to the point where Elbrum was like, yeah, I'm going to go to... And I can't believe that he remembered this. This was one of the secondary descriptions about the place, the, the trident and the throne, where the owner was a tiefling who was friends with Onka. And... You know, Onka, they kind of had their little side business. And Elbrum remembered that that place also was doing cockfights. Yeah. As, and I was just like, that's the thing he retained. <laughs> that he can go there. Okay. <laughs> so like, I, I want to go to the Trident and Thor. I, I, right, I think we should fine. make the point that as a player, when you think of the, the guy that's playing Elbrum, yep. this is a guy that doesn't have to take notes. He's like Sheldon. In some ways, yeah. Well, he forgets a lot of stuff, but the stuff he retains is this like minute detail of something, and it's like so obscure, and you're just like, yeah. But I think it, I think it's that he, the the minutia that he retains is the things that no one else will retain. No, and and for the other things, I completely forgot about that entry. But for the the other things that he that he he only needs the vaguest hint, yeah, to get the ones that everybody else has got. I mean, and again, you think about it, there's. There's two of us there. We can remember the big and important things. And he yep. remembers all the detail. Yeah. He's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jesus. He's, he's like the player that you've got to have. Like him and Iraqi. You've got to be sharp. You've got to have him top. and Iraqi. They're the, they're the, like, they're, these are the players that you dream of having on your team. Uh, it was good. It was really, really good. I'm taking notes here because I just you guys recalled stuff that I probably should have remembered and took notes about. Yeah, I was taking a lot these. of notes during that episode because you guys were role playing and going and doing all these leaps and stuff like this. I, I get a kick out of this because at the end of the day, Oraki's like, "Well, yeah, you should be, you should, okay, at least you know what we're going to do now." And I'm just like, you "No, have, no, you are no, I, I have no idea." Yeah. I had been waiting because I was really expecting at the beginning that you guys would get together. You would basically, okay, we're done for the day, long rest, and then Lieutenant Mehmet and the Princess Karima would return because they said they would return Thursday morning. And they'd have the conversations about how things went with the plan to send the calling cats out to the four corners on the winds and whatnot. 
yep. and see the results of that. And Princess Karima, she'd gone to go visit her friend, Mistress Henna, who currently Something. is the person who's, oh, yeah, who's got the Grimalkan eye. So they were going to return and, and, and check in with you guys. So I was really expecting to get to that point, but nope, nope. You guys were doing this and doing this and doing this. Yep. And I was just react, react, react. <laughs> so it was, it was amusing. The only thing I had planned was the meeting of Kayim Waset. And I wasn't sure who he was going to meet at the beginning because I wasn't sure. It was either he was going to bump into Oraki or to Elbrum, depending on what they did in the apartment. And then for you, I had a few things planned, but yeah, you just rolled shit. So that all just kind of went that all disappeared out the door. And I, I, I mean, I thought about it. And I thought about, should I make this happen anyways? And I thought, yeah, but they were really, really hingent on you catching something out of the corner of your eye. And they wouldn't make sense unless that happened. So, no. What does that mean? It doesn't really, really matter. It all comes down to the fact that they're threads. And the threads all will eventually tie up to one story or another and it's like and you've got this, you got day, this, and you're drawing conclusions that the Griffins are going out to meet up with Ahit. That's fine. Eventually, another thread's going to come out, and it's going to be no, the Griffins are going because they've got to go to the coast because they're meeting up with the ship or yeah. something like this. And, and until those threads come out, yeah, you guys just okay. That's a plot point. That's a plot point. That's a plot point. Yep. But that that's fine. So those things didn't happen. That's not a big deal. And you know, then then you just reacting. What was and the what was the, the the mining proposition that was put to us from Fatma from Fatma the Pallid Court Pallid Fatma? Court. The, the, was that east or west? So there, no, I was south. I was south. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. That was just off was of the Jordan territory. Tie that into the whole east thing. Mm. Well, I built, I, I'm, I'm building this massive scenario out in the east. Well, there was based so you, on every you little guys, thread I can find. To the west is two things. You've heard, okay. well, when you first met Fatma, the Jinborn in the desert, she asked you if you were from Mardis Vulagai, because that's where she's like, well, you must have got your real stone from there. And then she also said that she was from the domain of the, the Windlord. So Mardis Vulagai is these ruins that are to the west. And then north of that is the state, the dominion of the Windlords. That's where most of the Jinborn live. And Mardis Vulagai is basically on the edge of Dabu, which is the the state where Oraki is from. That those are the things to the west. To the southwest is the Lignus. Mm. That's the state. Well, you found a map yeah. of Lignus in Abdul Abdul Haq's hideout. You know that the head of the GFA, Madame or Mistress, or Ms. Srodus is Miss, from. I yeah, forget. Yeah. I forget her prefix now. I got it yeah. written down somewhere. I, I I had to create a big table of NPCs. <laughs> There's like fifty there, and I was just like, "Holy shit! I've got fifty NPCs," and, and I'm sitting there, man. I probably should be. See, How many times do we no talk way, about assigning a voice, and I haven't and, done it? And and we do have to say at this point in time, we've been in in game time. This is two weeks, three yeah. weeks. Yeah. In in three weeks, we chalked up fifty. NPCs. Yeah. We are making lots and lots of contacts with lots and lots of people. Well, you're hearing a lot of things. Some, some of these you haven't met. Some of them are shopkeepers but and whatnot. The majority like, of them are. Like, I put Astra in there because she's the owner of the Jubilant Nargile. Yep. 
I put Gamori in there because she's the owner of the Trident and Throne yeah. that you just went to because of the Onka relationship. Mm. But they're, they're people that we know. They're yeah, like and I've, now I've added to that list that Amunet, who is the guy who, who uh, Oraki and Ekmenis went to talk to about the bank because I was just yeah. like, maybe that's gonna, something's going to go with that. We've got Ozzy hanging around at the top end of town. Yeah. yeah. He's good. Got Baron, who's our little spy. Well, I, I, I have to say, I did have like a sentence if you guys had gone back to his place. Well, I don't think we've got any reason to go back there yet. It'll come. Anyway, so that Lignus is... Srodus is there, the head of the GFA. You've got a map that you found from Abdul Haq's place. To the south... You know that further, further south, you know that Captain Deuteronomy, who was murdered, yeah. uh, he was from the south. You've heard through a couple of sources, through Achmenes' knowledge from his life in Kush, because he lives in the capital city in Kush, which is directly south of where you guys are, that the Kijani have moved to the south. And to the east, you, well, I mean, you, you met the Fatma, the yeah. Jinborn in the east, in the Sarklin. You guys were at the Pool of Blood, which was in the east. The warlord Rykar is out in the east somewhere. Ahit was meeting somewhere, someone out in the east. Oh, so, good. I mean, all directions except north, really. Well, yeah. north, north was Luxon. That's where Rahid returned to. And it's also, that's rumored where Ahit's gone. Well, that was, gone, that, that's you know, where that's one where one story says that she's gone north and one yeah. says she's gone east. So there was, yes. Yeah. So Ahit's parallel in the Palad court was Fatma. Ahit is the spy, and Fatma is the the person who does the day to day business. Yeah, so, she's the mundane, boring one. Yeah, but she's <laughs> the one you guys feel that is yanking your chain and leading you out on a wild goose chase. Yep. But yeah. And that's where it ended. Yeah, that's, that, that's where that episode ended. Totally. Yeah, I have to admit, you know, lately, between Sleeper Island and... I, I, you know, I was really excited to do this Atwas thing here, going and doing the stream. And <laughs> I've been sitting there thinking about, okay, who is Wobani? What is he going to be? I, I've put, I mean, with conversation from we should, with we Atwa... Should, we should put this in context that... The, explain the Atwa game to the people that don't know. Okay. Yeah. So it's people vote for yes. random objects. So that that's right. Uh, he was it three random objects. Yeah. No. The poll of random objects that that came in was. Oh, you mean how many votes do you in, get? In the, and so in a session. Yeah. So the thing with Atwa's ad lib, the ad lib bit is part of it is is he's creating a world, but he's got to put in three, four, five random objects that the viewing populace puts forward. So eventually there'll be an, a sufficient number that the viewing populace will vote on it right now. So and, long as they submit they it, he puts it in. So there were probably about 30 strange items that people put in, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, a dirty I think it, sock. I think, uh, I think uh, it was the teleporting clothes is the one thing. Yeah, yeah. The one item I'm pretty sure of. And so what happens is that the, the people... You, the general public, get out there to vote what items you'd like to see in the next episode. Yeah. And his job is to put them in the next episode. There are three players. Yeah. There's, uh, There's Dimble, Mick, who's a... Yeah, Mick, who who's plays Dimble. Dimble, the gnome. He's a little 
whose accent changed about 10 times. Yeah, part, and part of this is that, yes, we have to do that. You have to have an accent to play this game, so that's pretty very entertaining. Dimble you started out, started out, started out, as, out as, being, as a little girl. Yeah, started out as a little girl. <laughs> rolled into your... Sean you know, Connery was in there. There was an uh, Indian fella. An Indian, yeah. So, oh, that's, 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 yeah. that was just too rich. I say that it is, it is, we, do, we do find it somewhat challenging to hold an accent for... Do you, uh, do you know that... Wobani so, is a... Wobani is an albino from, and he's a, the, from the northern tribes. And he met, and, he met Alarak, who is... So normally a half-orc is half-human, half-orc. He is a tiefling-orc, half-tiefling, half-orc. And so Akmenis met him, and he's been traveling with, with Alarak for Akmenis. Wobani met Alarak, and they've been traveling together for four wow. years. Yep. Or something like that. And they're a couple of con men. They're griffins. They are known yep. as the Dodgy Brothers. Yep. We arrived in, in the city of Moldano, and we decided that we're going to set up shop this time around. And so we, with what limited funds we did, we purchased a place, called ourselves the Dodgy Brothers Solution Architects. And they live in this rundown hovel. And yep. then one day... There was a, a fire in an old beat-up magic shop around the corner, and emerging from that fire was Dimble the gnome. And he followed us home like a stray dog. Yeah, probably more to do with the fact that the police were after him at the time. Yep. And he got home, and they happened to have a, a safe. box, a safe, that they, they had acquired, <laughs> that they'd found, and they had spent some time beating the crap out of crap it, trying to, open it. to try and get it open, and Dimble opened it. And Which immediately was, they saw the value in Dimble. So Dimble is now there. Part of the team. Part of the team. Not a full part of the team. He's kind of like the little short guy that hangs around out the back. Yeah. But so so was, that's the basis of the Atwa Adlib game. Yeah. And so he introduces a bunch of components. And I don't know if we're supposed to guess it or not. Maybe at the end of the session. Because, I mean, we, we did a, a session, but... And I guess we should say there are a couple of differences here in the session. It's because it's been done on Twitch... There's no rolling in towers, so... Yeah, everything's we, rolled in the open. Rolled in the open. So we as players have to, even though we roll it, pretend we didn't, we didn't see what the answer was. Yeah, that's, so that's true. So, we, so that's somewhat challenging for us. From a, a, an observer point of view, yep. you get to see what's going on. So they get to see what we... They don't get to see us, but they do get to see what our character sheets are like. It's almost that someone's got to create an extension in Fantasy Grounds specific for Twitch so that if you are a Twitch streamer and you are showing something on Twitch that it allows the roles to show up in Twitch but the rest of the players still don't see those roles. Because you don't want to... In Twitch, you don't want to show the the Dungeon Master's screen. It's just too much information there that that you lose the element of surprise. And for the viewers, you, you want them to sleep just a little bit more than the players do. So seeing yeah. the roles, see, as a viewer, seeing the roles, I think is cool. Yeah, I agree. Because we're streaming in Sleeper Island, and I did my first stream for Sleeper Island just before the Atua Lib stream, and those roles remain in the tower. So as a viewer, you do not see the roles. So yeah, it's, it's a toss-up for me, because I, I, there's no easy answer. You're either showing the DM screen, or you're showing the player's screen. And, I mean, you just can't show the DM screen. I think, yeah. I, I look, and that, again, as you say, as, as Fantasy Ground develops, yep. 
then these things will become possible. Well, of course. And, I mean, you just and, look and at... as long as you've got things like, you know, like as you, you mentioned before, Oz... Um, Deluxe Oz. Deluxe Oz. He builds extensions. Fantastic and some ones. of the stuff that he's done is the kind of thing that takes fantasy well, ground and pushes it into that, well, yeah. into that realm yeah. where you can do these fantastic things with it. To, so it's to, just a matter of time. I mean, it, it's, it's about the immersion, right? Like, if, if you are doing stuff and you've got to write it down and whatnot... It's that extra bit of math that takes away from the story. And it's hard to juggle and multitask all of those things. And at the end of the day, you just want to focus on the story. So if you don't need I'm to actually think... Th I'm actually looking at the stuff, like the sort of things that we're talking about here in terms of what it delivers to an observer rather yeah. than a player. Well, I mean, the sound extension is a big one yeah. to me. Being able to have... So one thing is to have ambient music playing in the background, which a lot of people do. But the other thing is, is that that person rolls, hits with their greatsword, and there's a sound effect. Yeah. That is a Deluxe Oz sound extension trigger that triggers yeah. based off of certain information that shows up in that chat window, and that causes that sound file to and play. It, and isn't it interesting that the functionality that, that he's built, that, that doesn't require him to be creative in terms of what is the sound, no, but it does mean that given given that if you gave that functionality yeah. to a half a different dozen different DMs, they would be able to then put the most astounding sounds. Some of the rubbish that you've come up in terms of sounds for things that you think there are things that you come up and we think this should be great dramatic, and there's a tiny little tinkling sound of a, a yeah, triangle well, playing. Well, see, that's that's just it. You know, I the, think that's funny. I think yeah, that's well, it, that's it, what I try to do. I, I try to do is like. When you cast keen smell, you hear this. Ooh, what's this? I smell. <laughs> yes. So, or you you have a keen smell ability. So yeah, I I do try to tie certain things because yes, there are certain things that are just dramatic. I am casting thunder, whatever. And yes, there's the big thunder boom and whatnot. And I, I love yeah, some of the that. Ordinary stuff. But other stuff like it's detect magic, and, and detect magic is like a woohoo or something silly. And yeah, it, it, it's when it when you get to something that you, that doesn't have it, you know, hitting something. Hitting a hammer with a nail, yeah, we all know what that's going to sound like. But a yep. detect magic doesn't have a sound. It's as creative as the DM yeah. wants to make it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, then that, that's the thing. It, it takes time. It does take time. To go and find what you want, yeah. Right now, there's Sirenscape, which is another application, and they've got all kinds. I mean, they've got amazing, amazing sounds. Like, if you want to go and do a sea voyage, they will have some sea shanty sounds that are all about being on the rough seas or the rain or the sound of a boat creaking and whatnot. Mm. But those are your ambient noises, and they've got a crap ton of them. And they've got a few that they've set aside for sound effects when certain things happen. So the triggers can be set up, and there's been a couple of people. Deluxe Oz himself does one, and Rob2E does one, where they you can purchase this off of DMs Guild, where they have all of these profiles set up with Sirenscape. So basically, you buy Rob Twee's, you send a Firebolt, it's got this sound from Sirenscape. You buy the Lux Oz's, and it will it's have this Sirenscape sound for a Firebolt. Mm. For me, Sirenscape's great, and the ambient sounds are fantastic, and especially because the way they set it up is that you can tweak. They'll have, like, what they do is they got a player that will have, like, 30 sounds tied together to make this ambient noise, and you can tweak make the footsteps louder or something like this. Yeah. But that's a level of extra control that if you had someone who's in production, who was doing this stuff while you guys were playing and you could still focus on your thing, great. But for me as a DM, it's too much. I, I can't deal with that extra level. 
But it does it does get to the stage where you've got things like the Sirenscape stuff and you've got the Oz Deluxe and you've got Fantasy Grounds. Yep. It's almost... And everything's been independently done. Yes. So, so a bunch of geniuses out there mm. have been throwing together this stuff mm. that all sort of links together. And it does beg the question, where will it end up? Because it it's almost as though we are building or the community is building this high-quality game yep. that I will go and buy the DVD for. Yet it's completely independent. These people well, just keep chucking this stuff at it. Well, you, you, there, wonder what would happen. You, you wonder what would happen if you put them all in one room at the same time where they yeah, could actually be, talk be nice to each other. They talk to each other and created and, one unified... Well, well not, not so much creating a unified mm-hmm. thing, but then discuss the ideas of of where they could possibly go. I think yeah. that if you could put them all in the one place at the one time, yep. the next iteration of what's going to happen would be fairly spectacular. The Unity engine on Fantasy Ground is yeah. going to be fairly it's be, spectacular. Yeah. It's going to be huge. Yeah. And that opens so many doors for... Yeah. And I mean, I, I know they've been putting a lot of things in thought on the Unity to make it so that it's got all of these things, but they're also changing the model behind it because right now you buy the standard or you buy a subscription in terms of, of a licensing fee through Fantasy Grounds. And that's the only funding that comes into them. And it's really, they, they have mm-hmm. to increase the user base in order to create, be able to get more cash influx to grow. With Unity, what yeah. they're going to do, like so many other things, in-game purchases and whatnot. So you can have the Fog of War, the dynamic lighting, but if you want this extra bit, it's going to be this extra bit that you can pay as a cost. And software as a service, I don't mind. I don't mind software as a service. Mm. I think it's a good model. The point is, is like D&D Beyond. D&D Beyond, if you are a streamer who sits down with a bunch of people and has a camera out looking at these people, like Critical Role or Maze Arcana, D&D Beyond is fantastic. It's, here's your character yep. sheet. You can roll on it. It's got your inventory. It's got everything. So fantastic. But in our scenarios where we are across in different worlds, different countries, yeah, it's it's Fantasy Grounds or Roll20. And yep. to me, the immersion part where you can lo- use tools like Sirenscape, Fantasy Grounds, or extensions like some of the, the Luxaws put together in order to make everything more immersive and yet not just more immersive, but also add a little bit of a fun factor. Because I think it adds a lot of a fun factor to it. Well, this is what we were saying. We talked about we, this before as well, was that it's not so much about you having proficiency in everything under the sun. If you don't have proficiency and you want to try, go for it. It's about your experience I, as the I, I player. I must say, as a wizard, as a player and as a wizard, I am probably the dumbest, least knowledgeable player I have ever come across. The wizard that I, I, always I, goes first. Yeah. The, I have no... I, you know, I glance at the, at the instruction manual to figure out what I'm supposed to do. My knowledge of what I need to know it's is, your is, is, is seriously bad. Yeah. And I get away with it because I'm having fun. The, and the classic example, I think the ultimate example of this was the one that happened last week when it was, oh, I can do identify. And everyone's going like, what? You can do identify? Yeah, I don't know how to do it because I haven't read the manual, but... Like, if I'd ran the manual, I'm sure I'd be able to figure it out. And then everyone's sort of saying, well, you know, you do need to have a pool and you've got to have this and you've got to have that, and that's how it works. So technically, totally and completely incompetent. The tools that you get that I get from Fantasy Ground and from Oz Deluxe and Sirenscape and all of that stuff combined with a reasonable amount of lunacy that I throw into it and you get people like Elbram and Araki throwing into it yep. means that it, it, the technical side of it is becoming easier 
and the fun side of it is just becoming is just going through the roof. Yeah. But these things make it so much well, more fun to yeah, play. Yeah, because you can if you're playing with a power gamer, oh man, I watched and read it. I went through a little forum of a power gamer having an argument with someone who wanted to role play. Oh god, I don't know. I mean, I understand the power gamer's point of view. I don't like it. It's just that simple. But at the end of the day, if you're playing with power gamers, yeah, you yeah, I'd have be fun. crucified. I, yeah, I would, you'd be crucified. I would, they would throw me out after yeah. about an Well, hour. or 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 we would have to throw them out either which way. So yeah. the choice would be. But when you've got a bunch of role players, they role play with it, and they're just like, dude. <laughs> so it was fun. It was the, you know okay, the arcane focus and stuff like that. It was an in character moment, and fine. Yeah. Why not? Absolutely. You know, expecting. Uh, I got everything to know. I mean, role play around it. Why not? You make it amusing. Make make it anecdotal. Why not? Mm. Because the so, point is, is it needs to be fun for so everybody. We, so let me ask the question then. You know, these people that do this great job in the background, the fantasy ground guys, and yep, and the Luxols and that, they they sit in the background. How do we take this and make it so that they can derive a living from it? Do we turn around and say, well, as you just suggested? The, you pay for the extras that you get with yep. Fantasy Ground. Yeah. And then what are the people that want to watch on Twitch? Yeah. Do you, do you charge them to watch on Twitch or do you just say, no, it's just as it is? It comes down to their model, right? Because right now, under their existing model, you can create extensions for free, which is what Deluxe Oz has done. Mm-hmm. Although he says, if you like what I've done and you want to contribute, I'm happy for you to contribute to my yeah. uh, Bitcoin or whatever. PayPal, whatever he's got set up. But yeah, under the new model, I would hope that they are, are thinking about things like that. Because under the and existing been, look, Fantasy Ground model, they can only get revenue if you bring in new DMs. Because, I mean, realistically, that's where the revenue comes from. DMs buying, buying modules. Yeah. Because as a player, what do you buy? You buy the player's handbook. And you pay it. for the license. That's all you need. Yeah. Their main source of cash is through the DMs who buy module after module after mm. module after module. And even then, a lot of that royalty goes back to Wizards of the Coast, right? Mm. So what do they get? What are they able to pocket at the end? I, I don't know. But I think under the existing model, they clearly are not bringing in enough revenue to grow as quickly as they need to grow. And maybe the answer is that we just turn around and say that we urge everyone to chuck in an extra 10 bucks. Give them the, the cup of coffee that I, you were going know. to give. I, 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 one of the things I think about is I think about like WinZip. When you think about WinZip and it came out 107 years ago, last century when it came out, and now it's sort of... It's, it's established as part of the it Windows operating on, system. On donations, yep. the bloke that created it, and it eventually became a standard and got swallowed up. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. But it actually generated a probably a trivial amount of in- income yeah. At that point of time. No. And they did roll from at one stage I think they rolled over from being free to being you had to pay for it. It was yeah. a couple of bucks. Do we go to the stage of saying these things exist as long as someone is prepared to give them the the four dollars that it would cost for a cup of coffee? I, I or do we turn around See, and we say, Well I think know. with the um, with things like Critical Role, Maze Arcana, what Digital Dungeon Master does, what Chris Perkins does, Acquisitions Incorporated do, they're starting to make it open it up more. And the thing is, you can't open it up more and have it complicated. Like they have Pathfinder 2 that came out. Pathfinder 2, very, very well organized, but it has got a lot more mechanics in it. So like if you are a gnome, the mechanics would deal with the fact that you're a gnome. So your strength is not going to be the same as a strength to this. 
5e ignores all of that. They they just say, okay, a strength of 15, strength of 15, you got your modifier, modifier. This thing is, is 100 pounds. And they ignore all of that stuff because it could get too mechanically heavy. And if you're storytelling and you want new people to come in who have no experience with that, that's what you want. That's how you get it out into the bigger open is you, you've got to make it simple. So broadening it out there, it's going to start making it as a larger media outlet so yes i think that naturally what's going to start to happening is it's going to become a bigger business that is not just focused on the sale of wizards of the coast published material or cobalt's press published material but on the people's ability to create watchable content but and, again it still comes back to that thing is where does the money come from for these organizations well, this is why to me i think to that make it chargeable or do you go fantasy down? grounds has got to make some smart decisions like roll 20 one of the things that they do is they sell not just battle maps, but like, for example, if, when you use layers, so, so, so to me, mm. in Unity, what, you sh- what they, I, I think they should be doing is like, you've got this map building layer. Now, if you want the layer that puts on the automation for putting in a storm, yeah. you would buy that part, or you would buy the mm. rainstorm, or you'd buy whatever. Those would be extra little add-ons that are just a couple of dollars from each dungeon master that add more immersion into it. And Roll20 does some of that. Like they have little overlays. Here's a barrel. Here's a block of cheese. Here's a table that you can drop on a map. Because I don't know, like for me, uh, I like to have, here's an empty dungeon and I'll throw a few elements on there. Sometimes I won't say anything and I will just theater the mind it. But sometimes... You just fill it up. Well, like for example, when we talked about... Well, we talked about that one when you guys were in a pyramid. The original map... You'd go into this one room and it was very clearly there was a carpet in that room and everywhere else in the dungeon, there was no point of a carpet. And you just say, carpet, there's something underneath that carpet. Yep. So in this case, in the new map that I used, it was a completely different battle map. When you guys went into this room, it wasn't the same. It was pitted. It was all theater of the mind. I described that there was two urns inside that room Mm. and it was just complete befuddlery from Calidus climbing up on top of this urn and rolling crappy with his dexterity that you caused an urn to fall over. And when it fell over, there was a trapdoor. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. And I was really curious because I was not, I had no intention of making this easy and I was waiting because you guys had gone into that room once before and you hadn't found it. And then you're back in there and, and then you're like, well, how big are these urns? These are huge. You know, yeah. they're as tall as you urns. Oh, I'm going to climb up and climb in there. Oh, okay, Callus, sure. What's your dexterity roll? And the first urn you climbed up, that was not the urn that had it. And I had on my side, I did have a hidden trap door that was on my layer of the mm-hmm. map that I could see. So I knew which urn it was under. And it was the urn that you went and you fucked up your dexterity. So the first one you climbed up, you climbed in, no problem, done, you got out. Second one you climbed up and you fucked up your dexterity, you knocked it over. Oh, well, guess what? That's the one where the bloody trapdoor was. And that's one model. At that model, what you've got is a scenario where the funding is coming from the DMs, the people yes, that play. That's if right. We look at, if we look at Microsoft, for example, and we look at their operating system, they started out that you buy the operating system a gazillion dollars by the operating system and then yep. they've moved to a licensing yep. where you buy it every year yeah yeah that's the new model isn't uh, it that's right is, is one of the is same, one of the options same. the same thing where you look at things like yeah, software as a service fantasy grounds and you say it's a service yeah if you want to play fantasy grounds then the player rather than the player buying the handbook 
they pay five dollars yes. a year. Yeah, and and that's what Microsoft have done. The, yeah. the, the and, annual charge for Microsoft yeah. is significantly less than what and, it was for the original. And, and this is system. this is what I was thinking too, because it is a huge hit for a DM. It's a huge investment mm. to buy all those modules and stuff like that. And when you start getting into streamable content that is watchable and stuff like this, and if the players and the viewers like it, they can just readily, easily contribute to mm-hmm. an extra cent or whatever onto the DMs thing that opens up more and more content for them that makes things richer and richer. Because I always sat yeah. there and was like, oh man, that's such a hit on the DM. And they're the ones that are attracting the new players that are bringing in the new revenue. But still, the existing model is based the large majority is based on the DMs buying crap tons of content. And then we get to the, the one that we all hate, which is what about advertising? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah. Well, and, it, and the thing is, too, is like it can be done as little banners and stuff like that, right? Well, we're doing our, under, our own underground advertising is the Crimson Nib yeah. franchise of you know, where quality is not an option. Yep. Um, although we have no products to sell and everything that we own is rubbish. There is that, that's the in-game advertising, so that, you know, as part of it, when you walk into the shop, there's a Coke machine in the corner. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yes, I know we're yeah. in the middle of the desert somewhere, you go and you buy a Coke, and so that every menu, is that an option where you turn around and, and they build the, the product into Fantasy Ground? So if you create a shop, there will be Coke that you can buy in the shop. That would be the thing. Like, and, I would hope that they're working with Deluxe Oz in the sense that with the Unity development that some of his extensions are... I mean, I don't know how smart it is to continue on from a model of players building stuff through the API that are free and relying on contributions from other people. I don't know. I don't know. Because some, some stuff, like for example, someone had originally built a languages extension which basically became part of the product at one point. Did Fantasy Grounds eventually say, thank you for your contributions, great extension, you're no nice. longer going to be able to get any donations from it because we're now embedding it into our thing? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's happened behind that. I but guess I'm thinking of it in terms of if Deluxos was building an extension, that the extension could be funded by you know a multinational. Uh, the Donald Trump Space Force, for example. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, and, don't know. And, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And then maybe that could be a, a revenue generator. Or do we just rely on the fact that the number of people that like to play and like to watch are going to be sufficient and there will be the occasional uh, person there that is going to throw you well, know, a couple of hundred bucks I, at I something to the, just the, because they're having fun? I mentioned I mean, to it Deluxe is, Oz. It is the price of a concert ticket. I, I mentioned makes, to Deluxe Oz that his locations extension is great. You give it for free. But then I mentioned to him, I was like, what you could do to generate more revenue off of this is take your extension and build up pre-made cities with shops and yeah. things like this. And then here you guys go. Here's the city. It's got a ton of shops, a ton of taverns already ready to go. The shops all have inventories and NPC yeah. stuff that, that, you know, so you can just readily use this a stuff drag within your... I the drag and drop functionality of this stuff is brilliant. Well, the, um, yes, the drag and drop stuff, but it does take, like for me... I have a bunch of random generators that table generators that will create a story entry that will have the NPC name, their race, a bit of statistics. And a lot of that comes from the Wizards of the Coast Dungeon Master's yeah. Guide and tables in there or their Morden Kai's Guide. But when you build a shop, you build it from scratch. Well, no, I use the random generator to, to create all of the content. 
and it shows up in a story window. Mm. Then I have to drag and drop all of that information into a Deluxe Oz locations yeah. record, XML record. Mm. And so that drag and drop, drag and drop. And then I got to format it because I, yeah. you have, to, in order to get your eye to focus on certain things, it needs to be formatted. I mean, this needs to be bolded so that you know very clearly this is a subsection. Mm. So it does take a little bit. And so I've gotten to the point now that I've, modified my story templates so that it will create an XML record. I then take the contents of that XML record well, and then I, I modify it in the, inside the, inside the locations XML. So I do it through XML now. I no longer do it through drag and drop if, inside. If, if Deluxe Oz was selling you a shop, mm. fully fitted, fully kitted, yep. all the formatting there, yep. would you buy it? Yes. If, yeah. it was, if it was a fully flushed out, here's a town, and this town has got X amount of taverns, X amount of stores, kiosks, all of the little things. This, it's got an apothecary. It's got this. It's got this. We're in a metropolis of Perbestet. I mean, that, there should be flush full of different and, stores. Yeah. Taverns, everything. So this uh, means and, that then, then and, and maybe that is an alternative way yes. of looking at the yes. funding of this yeah. and saying that this is one possibility, is that yeah. it, rather than that the functionality that we've got in fantasy ground yeah. is fine. You, if you want to play, you pay for the functionality yeah. at one level. And then in order to sustain the other people like the Syrians and the, the Luxozers, they build, you know, they make content. They make the functionality that he's got, well, that's... some of the great functionality that Luxozers already built. And then they also do the, you know, they build you the pre-made shops. Well, Syrianscape, what, one of the things that they do is I think that they have a connection to Pathfinder because there's a lot of their sound profile. So you can pay a subscription fee. And the subscription fee you will have, you can get the fantasy one, the sci-fi one, yep. or the full one. And they've got it so that you can have it on a client or through the cloud. If you pay for the sci-fi, the fantasy one, you get all of the fantasy ones. Or you can just buy, you know, I want to get this module, mm. which is related to seafaring. And you'll pay this which is a one-time fee, and then you've got it. And then you've got it, yeah. Which is great. And then they've basically created like a sound profile that's got like 20, 50, 100 sounds in it for like almost every Pathfinder module. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they're doing that. And yeah, I, I think they're doing well because everybody's talking about Sirenscape in terms of having that ambient music and stuff. And like I said, it is great. I, I absolutely love it. Just for one person who's trying to stream, yeah. that's just one extra thing that it, you can it automate adds, it. It adds a level to it. Yeah, because yeah. like you, you, I watch, so, no watch, I listen to Critical Role and I can hear the music in the background and I can hear that at certain things, when certain things are happening, there's crescendos and whatnot. Yeah. And you know that that's not happening automatically. There is a there production is dude doing... in the background who's like tweaking, oh, bring, yeah. bring this music up. This is This is a... Uh, emotional moment. Where's the emotional music? Put it on. Oh, this person's getting it. Oh, it actually is. So, the what, crescendo. so there is. So this means that there is the the two DM scenario. Yeah. Where you've got someone that is managing the the game, mm -hmm. and then you've got someone that's managing the other stuff that's going on. This in the is background. what we're doing in Sleeper Island. In Sleeper Island, I am the DM, and, and the players connected to me, and we've got another guy doing techo stuff. In who the is he's he is running so. Atwa has got OBS and he's doing all of that stuff on himself. In Sleeper Island, what we're doing, I'm just hosting the game as I always normally do. It's a little bit more rules about we're on stream now. Okay, 
try to stay, try not to go stupid and try to overact when you normally don't. You still play the way you normally play and don't go we stupid. Saw in the background. He's making sure the audio levels are there. When I share a map, he makes sure that that map shows up. If I share anything else, he brings it up so that the players can see. So for me, when I do Sleeper Island, I bring up that window, roll for your encounter. Yep. And if you get, if it's 30%, well, you got an encounter. So then I will then open up another table and I'll roll the other table. But anything that the players see, he's making sure that it shows up in a stream. Yeah. So, so he's, it's actually moving to a, So it's actually what you're, what, what's happening is that we're seeing Fantasy Ground mm. is moving to a different level. They yep. are with their development, yep. and the live broadcasting stuff is now moving yep. to a different level. Well, and, and can you ever can you envisage a scenario? So right now on Australian television, we see computer games are being played on well, free, that's what free to air TV. That's what's happening in Twitch. Can you see it getting to the level free to air TV in Australia mm. hits millions of people? Yep. Can you see this getting to the stage to that kind of level where well, Twitch is? Yes, absolutely. Encounter role plays another one that does. A lot of stuff on Twitch, and I think they've got it set up so that in a session, if people send in a donations in session, yeah. they can affect the game. I will give you a hundred dollars, and if you, you kill need off to the do dwarf. this, <laughs> well, I mean, pretty much. And you can see, like, there will be within the stream certain if certain donations come up, certain sounds will happen, and certain things will animations will show up and whatnot. And they'll throw in wild magic. All of a sudden, this player, I paid 20 bucks. This person's going to get wild magic that does this. But yeah. one of the things they do... That does actually is, take it to a new level. You oh, now get to the... Because you're affecting... Absolutely. You now get it to a stage where you've got someone controlling the game. Mm-hmm. And you've got someone sitting in the background who's doing the production. Yep. And, think, and managing this process. And one of the things that they're doing... So Encounter Roleplay uses Fantasy Grounds. But one of the things they do is like... I think they're using OBS. And they've got someone in production who's doing that because... When so they use webcams and they yeah. have everybody show up in their own little window and under the window is their ability stats and in this corner is their HP. So you see that and it's always there as and you see their webcam there on that and their little characters on their side, their little avatar. But when they get hit, all of a sudden blood starts showing up on their webcam. Yep. Someone is doing that. Someone is triggering that to happen so because it's, it's not a it's not some kind of interface between fantasy grounds and that that doesn't exist yet so just to round this out then so we've looked at the the financial side of it and the financial (laughs) side looks like that's going well and maybe these companies will survive and now what we're seeing is we're seeing we're moving into the next phase which is the live transmission yes do you see this as becoming the next netflix right now in Australia, I don't know what it's like in the rest of the world, but public free-to-air yeah, television is dying. Because this is... Places like Netflix are coming up. This is, this is going the, the next virtual step. Reality, actually get this is, virtual reality. Yeah, this is starting to move towards that. Interactive, because, impacting the game. Do you see this, the, the... Yeah. This do, you, is, do you see the guy, the, the people getting to a stage where they get to... The fundraising side comes from being able to pay to well, impact you, the game. And do you think that'll be detrimental? I know what a couple of role plays is doing and good on them, but I sit there and I was like, man, that's hard to, to be able to do like, okay, now I've got to introduce an owlbear because someone paid this. Paid for an owlbear. <sighs> it's challenging. But where do I see it going? I mean, why do people like to role play? I mean, you can watch what's going on on TV and like this is why Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon are getting in there because it's original content where you as a director get to control instead of some corporate production entities they're saying here's your story go with your story we'll make your story we'll put it on 
and with streaming because you don't have to go through all of the other rigmarole that is traditional to it. So you start getting more original content that's really good stories, but what's still missing is people are not connected to it. So the 3D was another way where they're like, okay, we'll try it. But you're still, your input, you sitting there shouting at the yeah. screen has no effect. But with role-playing, where it's going to move to, when you start getting rid of the mathematics and stuff like this, and there's still there is still the random chance that you fuck stuff up, but it's just you doing a die roll and not having to know the world and, and the modifier and all of that is already taken care of. You know, I am this so, with this background. So then you can start doing that and then you add a VR component to it. Oh yeah, that's absolutely going to be where it's going to go. So this is... But, these but, these so are what you're foundation saying, steps. What you're saying, yeah, so what you're saying is the buying by the owlbear and that can throw a spanner into the works. Yeah. What about the, the concept then of you get to buy your votes? Rather than pay enough money to get an owlbear in there, that the people that watch well, what, either one subscribe of the things, or, one of the things or you have to do or, like... You know, if you want to be on the voting panel, you get to be on the voting panel and, and you manage that some way where you say, well, you know, you're the voting panel, you can have an owlbear and you can have a dragon and you can have a, an elephant. Well, Pick one the, the things, one that you want, well, but you can't things, have something that will destroy yeah, the game. The, the wild magic stuff is one thing. The Giving this person extra wild magic or, or throwing something else in. What I do like is when people pay in and they're like, I've just bought a natural 20 for this player. I just bought a Where? natural one for this player. Yep. I just bought a natural 20 for the DM. That's creative. Yeah, and that, I and, like and, that. And that does mean that the, yeah, yeah, buying someone a 20 is not, is not necessarily going to destroy the game in the same way that buying an owlbear is going to. Yeah, well, well it's not that it destroys the game. It's well, just it can that change where it's you, going to you go. say, I am paying $100 and I, I want you to throw in this NPC. I, I don't know what it would be, mm. but I want you to add this into the game. That's just like, oh lord, okay. You've you're already trying to take the story in this direction. Now you need to throw yeah. in a flying monkey. Ah, oh, damn. Okay. Oh, how do I make this in so and, that it and, still is and a you cohesive carry that story to its logical conclusion? Is yeah. That by the end of the by the time you've been there for an hour, um, if you've raised a thousand dollars at hundred dollars each, you've got ten NPCs that you now have to manage. You got, and all of a and, sudden your NPC collection just for the money is outweighing the. Well, and, 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 and of like, course, you, like want, of, you want to so, do so well if, by if the we person can, who so paid the hundred bucks, right? So you don't want so to let's make go it back arbitrary. To, so let's go back to the let's go back to the you can buy the role. Yeah. If a natural twenty is going to cost a hundred bucks, can I buy it? You know, can I buy a ten for fifty? Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know what you would cost. And kind of role play does do it. You can buy natural twenties and natural. Maybe you can buy natural ones. I know you can buy natural twenties because I've seen yeah. that. It's because someone on production but puts this, this, puts the number of natural twenties that have been purchased on top of their webcam feed. Yeah. So this this means that we now, given the stuff that we have of you know, fantasy ground and Oz Deluxe and all the rest of them, um, we now have a scenario where the things that people have talked about for decades, mm-hmm. which is about interactive television, which has Getting never there. really got there, mm-hmm. but we now do have a scenario where interactive gameplay could be the next step. Well, the other thing with Twitch is people are commenting. Yeah, like, for example, when we were playing, they're like, oh, God, Oscar's dead. Did they comment on the yeah, fact that they, Oscar they, died? Yeah, the Oscar died. There was comments on Oscar dying. So, Sorry, guys. Yeah. 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 And what was this? there was a few comments that they thought was really He'll funny. He'll come back. There was, what was interesting, though, in that, during that session, I mean, yes, there was people commenting on that stuff, but they commented on things like, oh, the voice went robotic and Listening to Twitch, there was a time when your voice, my voice, sounded robotic. 
everybody's voice sounded robotics, something related to the audio going into it. But the voice recorded that I recorded from Mumble, yeah, perfectly fine. Okay. So on Twitch, I heard when my voice disconnected. Yeah. On Mumble, perfectly fine. And I suspect that that kind of thing goes back to the you need to have people that manage your game. Yes. You need to have a production team that yes. sits behind them. Yeah. And I don't think, and I think currently the technology is is such that you don't need a production team like you needed 50 years ago yeah. with lights and cameras and no. 27 people. You can actually get to a stage where this kind of thing can be done with a single person. Yeah. And for what it's worth, can I say, you know, if you're out there and you're 18 years old or 16 years old and got no idea what you're going to do, I do think that there's a market here for being will. the production engineer yep. for sitting Twitch. behind a game for Twitch where you just do yeah. the stuff in the background yeah. and you rent yourself out a gazillion dollars an hour. Yeah. That, that's well, I mean, a, and especially if you've got things like set up for overlay, and so all you need is yeah. players. You need a webcam. Start up your webcam. This is what you're going to do. I'll walk you through it, and then all of a sudden, so long as you set everything's up, so the players and the GM just connect in and can go. Because yeah. I have to admit, there's been quite a few, and I'm not going to name names of some people when they're using Fantasy Grounds or Roll Twenty, and they're so bad. Yep. And are they bad? Are they bad because they're bad at what they're doing no or, or the interface, they being the dragged interface. down they're being dragged down because they don't have a, a production person sitting behind no them. no 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 they're they're being dragged down because they don't know the interface okay so and what i mean by that is there's so much you can do to make it powerful and amazing and i so often i'll hear in so many different of these things on twitch rolling on a table writing stuff down on paper so they've just replaced the tabletop with okay, we're doing this on webcams, but I'm still writing on paper and stuff like this and not using the power of the software because, yeah, yeah, the interface is complicated. Okay, so here, I'm going to throw this one out there then. We are moving into an era of multi-screens. Yeah. So, you know, a couple of decades ago, you had one monitor, that was it. Yeah. There are more and more people now have two screens on their desk. Or three. Like I seen another day, a guy had three curved. Yeah. That was Let's assume that we're just at the... We're going into the two zone, yeah. and the two zone can be where you've got a laptop and a uh, another screen. Yeah. Should Twitch go to a scenario where they do multi-screen broadcasting? Oh, they already do. Well, see, the thing is, is Twitch is just we pro- you if you can get your stuff onto us, you can people can connect in and watch you live. It's not so Twitch is there. It's running. It's the servers. Everything's up. You need to use another piece of software to push it in. So OBS. Yeah, my, my question was wrong. Is not is is that? Yeah, my question is not should Twitch do the two screens? Should things like Fantasy Ground or or do you see a scenario where you get to a stage where if you want to watch this, mm. if you've got one screen you see half, and if you've got two screens you see oh, even more. Oh yeah. So you can. So from the production side, yes, as a production. Yeah. If it was such that if I was a produ- pr- producer, I could have the player screen and the DM screen. Yeah. And then if you paid for extra content, you, you could see, could the, DM see the DM screen. Yes, yeah. for sure. That would be great. That would be really great. And so we're, and, and okay, well, let's, Calidus is off and running again. Mm. Let's get even sillier then. Let's say, okay, for every screen that you've got, you can, if you've got one screen, you get it for nothing. For every screen that you add on, you pay an extra ten bucks. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, how many I, screens? I, I, how many screens do you think you could fill in a a D and D game? Uh, well, I mean, you would need to. Yeah, you need a bloody be... wall. But the thing is, is is there value in seeing the other player's screen when 
you already just you see okay there's your, no, your that's plan. What I'm and, and, yeah. and that's the question the question I, is I that so. if what you can see is you can see the game you can see the dm screen if you could see individual well here's the thing what, like and you, what about, you look at dnd beyond and some of these guys what one of the things that dnd beyond focuses on specifically with streaming is being able to webcam and show a picture of that character sheet with with their avatar and with a real life thing yeah. on Twitch, so they they're set up so that they they can push that character sheet with that minimalist information with ability scores and whatnot. Yeah. So the question is, do you want uh, as a viewer to be able to see the full character sheet? And then yes, I and, think that would be something else that you should be able to pay for. And currently, you watch the NFL like the NFL, you know, there's lots of cameras, and if you pay for it. You get get to see yeah. lots of extra stuff, and we see yeah. that with the the motor racing in Australia. Yeah, we go to Bathurst, and you can yeah. see extra yeah. camera stuff. Anyway, okay, we've thrashed that one to death. This is this is where it could go. Could go. And could I, th- go. I think I think it, it's going to go there. I mean, at the end of the day, for me, going back to it, I'm a big fan of the Fantasy Grounds with the Deluxe Oz extensions yeah. for sound, for locations, because to me. If I've prepared things up and I've got, like I've added quite a bit of Perbastet shops and whatnot, and I just made another round where I made like six new taverns and six new apothecaries and blah, blah, blah. Some are poor, some are rich. So that they're available so that if you guys are like, okay, there's nothing there on a map, I can just drag and drop it on the map. There it is. Share it with you guys. So that is great because at the end of the day, all I then need to do is I haven't practiced up any of those NPCs. I got some basic information. Looks like this. And it'll say he's got a French accent and throw that out the window. I can't do a French <laughs> accent. I mean, that's what the random generator will create an Irish, a Jewish accent. What is that? I don't know. I'm not good. There's another guy, the British dude. He could probably do it like that. He's a voice actor. is amazing. But the point is, is making it so that it's more immersive for the players. So that you just <laughs> roll, you get sound effects, you got the ambient music and as a DM, you can focus on the story. And, and for me, I'm trying to get better at just, again, focusing on those NPCs, knowing their motivations, because you can make a session about interactions with NPCs. And I mean, that's... You've just, you've just sort of triggered, triggered another one of those great things. So currently, it's one DM. Yeah. Okay. What about the scenario where, you know, you've created the shop, you've given it the inventory... Oh, absolutely. And you well, throw this, in the second, the second person that, this that plays the DM. The Australian group, the Dragon Friends, who host out of Sydney and they run a, th- a theater, they have one of the players. He isn't a player from the player's point of view. He's, he plays the NPCs. So the DM will play some of the NPCs, but he'll he have the... this guy. Here's a bunch of other NPCs that is possible that... If they come, come up, up, you're on. Yeah. I absolutely agree. Like I even spoke to you guys about that. Is like, do you guys want to play certain NPCs? And it didn't really go across. But yeah, having someone like a voice actor in the background is like, okay, you're on. You're this NPC at this store, and away you go. And he's got like fifty bloody accents, and you're like, he was just playing. Like you remember, you were in the game with him yeah, where he was playing, playing Fred, the mouthy yes. bruiser from some back alley. Yeah, and. Now he's got one where he's like a, what do you call him? A blood hunter. And he's given this guy the accent of, oh God, what was it? It's not Clint Eastwood. Like a Sean Connery or a... No, not, definitely not a Sean Connery. Um, Kevin Spacey, Alan Alda. That, that, you did a good Kevin Spacey the other day. 
But yeah, no, um, Alan Hoglund, no. One of the old, uh, older Jack Charles Nicholson. Johnson. Jack Nicholson. Okay. Spot on. And it's just like, wow, that's impressive. Having them play NBCs, that's fun. It adds, again, it just adds more. And especially because there's the DM. It's interesting too, because if you've got two people, you've got a DM who's running a show and you've got all of a sudden, you know, he's having a conversation with someone who's got an accent that's clearly not him and they can talk over the top of each other and suddenly your show, it just enhances the show Yeah, a lot. It, it's Again, it is about you as a player feeling immersed and then ultimately what you want is you're like, my God, that looks like fun. Can I do that? Yes, you mm. can. As a player, you get Fantasy Grounds or Roll20, whichever, find a group and there's yeah. lots of places to find groups now. And you just sign up to a game. And as, if you think of it as a, as a, 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 a starting out position, being a shopkeeper is a pretty good starting position. You can sit, you can play, and there is not a lot of demand on being a shopkeeper or uh, owning a store. Yeah, it, it's and, really about having the accent, being familiar with what the products are that you're flogging, well, and then talking to the customers as they where, come in. Where we were talking about Matt Colville's strongholds and being able yeah. to grow a world, a very dynamic world, where I'm the owner of a bar and my my barkeep is stealing from me. Here you go, voice actor. You are now the barkeep. You get to play this. Now, yeah. I mean, it just yes, it just makes things more immersive. It makes something like West Marches with a huge economy and something like this mm. more viable. Yeah. So and yeah, also I, far more entertaining to watch. I mean, anyway, that, that's that's the point. Is yeah. that's where we want to be at some point? Is we'll this get there. becomes yeah replaces my job. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. That's it, people. We've had another interesting episode with a lot of, what do you call it, gander, yep. yander, yapping. Until next week, we'll catch you again later. Hello, good people of the interwebs. This episode is now done, dusted, and finished. I do hope you enjoyed it. And I'll be back in just one week.